Welcome to Word of Life Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here, and wherever you're listening from, we believe that God will move to and through you from today's message. If this podcast helps you spiritually, will you consider helping us naturally? You can give online or become a monthly partner as we aim to help more ministries and release more content. You can give online today at thelife.cc. Enjoy today's message. So good to see everybody here tonight. Uh, for those of you who may be here for the first time, my name's Joel, and I'm honored to be the lead teaching pastor across all of our campuses. Uh, somebody says, well, what in the world does that mean? Well, it means I take the, the lead in teaching and the lead in leadership. Uh, <laughs> so it means you just hear from me more than you hear from, from most, but you hear from a lot of others as well. And then the overall vision and direction of the church, uh, the Lord's given me oversight of that. And so we'll take it for long, as long as he lets me have it. Uh, and thankful for the opportunity to do that. But it's a joy to have you here with us. And, you know, I've had some things in my heart just, just stirring. And I actually had it um, a, a different message for tonight. It's funny, last um, week when we gathered here on Sunday p.m., I talked about thinking greater things. And the more I, I preached that message, I, I realized that I had left um, some things undone and misread the spirit in the room. Any time the power of the Lord is in a service, um, if you're the minister, you've got to find out what it's there for. Because it's always there for something specific. It's not just there where you can say, God is here. There's a reason. And um, last week, um, I could sense that the, the reason in the room was consecration. Um, but I got up and taught the best I could on thinking greater things. And the whole time I'm teaching on it, no, I should be teaching on Romans 12, verse 1, instead of Romans 12, verse 2. But the Lord is gracious and, and kind and we, we were able to recover that by the end of the, the message. And by the end of the service, uh, I felt let's, that spirit of surrender, of offering our bodies as a living sacrifice, which is not the most popular message, by the way. Not a lot of that in today's version of Christianity. Um, we got back to that place of consecration and so thankful for that. And so it's funny, this week I wrote a message for Sunday night that just was continue thinking greater things. And uh, this morning um, I had uh, notes on prayer uh, that kind of targeted offering your body as a living sacrifice. And we never got to it, and I knew why. It's because that's actually tonight's message. Um, and so we're going to just dive into that and, and just allow the, the Spirit to have his way tonight. Um, and I think we're going to learn a lot about prayer and a, a lot about the Lord, and then we'll have space at the end to kind of practice what we've been taught. So let's open up our Bibles to the book of Matthew. We're going to look at Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, and let's start reading here in verse number 5. Matthew 6 and verse 5. And when you pray, you are not to be like the hypocrites. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues 
and on the street corners so that they may be seen by men. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. But you, when you pray, go into your inner room, close your door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you are praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do, for they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. So do not be like them. For your Father knows what you have need of even before you ask him. When you pray, pray then in this way. Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us of our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For if you forgive others for their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, then your Father will not forgive you of your transgressions. Lots there. Uh, I want to major on verse number 10. Uh, uh, just that verse, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Um, there, there's nothing quite like prayer. It is the, the foundation of your walk with the Lord. Um, apart from prayer, um, there is no life to Christianity. Prayer is like breathing for the Christian. Um, it's breathing in his glory and his presence and who he is and breathing out your gratitude, your thankfulness, your devotion, and your request. Uh, to pray as a Christian is to live as a Christian. And like the disciples, and we see this in the Gospels, this teaching actually came out of that. They were looking at Jesus pray all night, and they're kind of looking at themselves and are like, how do you do that? I pray all night. What is that? Where would you even start? And so they came to him and they said, would you teach us how to pray? And he gave them this prayer. Now we call this the Lord's prayer. I don't like that. And because it's not the Lord's prayer because he didn't pray this prayer. This prayer has the admission of sin in it. And he had no sin. Uh, forgive us of our debts as we forgive those who have trespassed and transgressed against us. He didn't have any transgressions to repent of. This prayer is not a prayer he prayed. This is a teaching on prayer to teach you how to pray. Um, and so it's, it's a teaching on the subject of prayer. And it highlights something that is critically important. And it's, it's what we're looking at tonight. Your kingdom come and your will be done. Now let's just stop right here. The biggest goal of prayer is to enable the will of the Lord to be done. Without prayer, 
the will of the Lord will not be done in your life. If you're not praying for your life, the will of the Lord will not be done in your life. If you're not praying for your marriage, the will of the Lord will not be done in your marriage. If you're not praying for your business, the will of the Lord will not be done in your business. If you're not praying for your kids, the will of the Lord will not be done in your, your kids' lives. Where prayer is, you've now given the Lord the opportunity to perform his will. And the goal of prayer is to position God in a place where his will can be done. Now this is a huge distinction. Because this is not about you praying so that your will be done. And this is what I want to get at. Because a lot of people are frustrated in prayer, but they're praying not about God's will, they're praying about their own will. Hold your place here in Matthew. If you've got one of these little fancy tabs, you can put the tab there. If not, stick a finger there. You've got multiple ones for good reason. And let's go over to the book of James real quick. We're holding in Matthew. I'm going to show you something that will help you uh, when we come back. But go over to James. You probably know this. James 4. Now, part of this passage of Scripture we're about to read is quoted all the time. But the back half of this passage is often completely neglected. James 4. And let's look here in verse number one. What is the source of quarrels and conflicts among you? Is it not the source of your pleasures that wage war in your members? You lust and you do not have. So you commit murder. You are envious and cannot obtain. So you fight and you quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You have not because you ask not. Now, you hear that quoted in prayer all the time. Well, the reason why you don't have it is because you're not asking for it. And that's true, but it's a half-truth. The the full truth is also located in the next verse. Watch this in verse 4, or verse 3. You ask and do not receive because you ask with wrong motives so that you may spend it on your pleasures. He's saying that when you, you, you pray, you're, you're, you're praying that God will do something specific in your life. But your motives behind that prayer is so that your will may be done in your life. You see something you want, and you begin praying for God to make that thing happen in your life. And he's saying, you're praying for it, but it's not happening Because you're actually trying to get God to do your will instead of giving God permission to do his. And there's a big distinction between God being a father and God being a genie. Uh, A genie, you rub the lamp, you make wishes, and he does what you want. Uh, God is not my genie. Uh, Neither is he yours. Um, He is our master. And he is our Lord. He doesn't do and beckon according to our beckon and call. We answer to his. And and out of this, a big part of prayer is the discovery of his will. And, And as soon as you begin to understand this, it begins to transform your prayer life. And when you don't see answers to your prayer, you immediately have something to target in your life. Because when you're not seeing answers to the thing you're praying for, it's probably because there's something in your life he is trying to confront 
where your will is coming against his. So this begs the question, well, then what then is the will of God? Um, if, if I need to ask according to his will, and I'm praying, and I'm trying to get him to do something according to his will, what is the will of the Lord? Great question. Go over, back over to Matthew. You got your fingers still there. Go over and look at it. Matthew chapter 6, verse 10. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Now, that phrase is massive. On earth as it is in heaven. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Um, The greatest definition, it's so simple, it's mind-boggling. The greatest definition for the will of God is on earth as it is in heaven. Somebody says, well, what's the will of God? On earth as it is in heaven. And if you want to know if something is violating the will of God here on earth, just ask, is it this way in heaven? And if it's not that way in heaven, you got something to pray for. Oh, come on. You could leave right now. And said that would have been good there. Uh, so, So out of that, if you're watching something on earth and you're looking at it and you say, it's not that way in heaven, you got something to pray about. Because on earth as it is in heaven is God's will. In heaven, God's will is always done. On earth, God's will is not always done, which is why we pray. And so anytime you're watching something on earth, that when you look at it, you're like, that ain't how it goes in heaven. God's like, now you have a prayer point. Uh, So if you see sickness and disease, is that in heaven? No, you got a prayer point. Uh, Poverty and frustration, is that in heaven? Nope, you got a prayer point. Um, a division, strife, and people yelling, fighting, and all those things. In heaven? No. It tried to come up in heaven, he kicked it out. Because in heaven, God's will is always done. So anytime you see something that is not the way it's done in heaven on earth, you've got a prayer point. Now, here's what happens in our life, is we begin to see things like that, and there's something that goes in our hearts that we see, this is not the way it's done in heaven, even if you don't recognize that that's the will of God. It hurts, because that's the the, the nature of, of heaven. In heaven, there's no tear. Every tear is wiped away from your eyes. There's nothing to be frustrated about or panicked over. Heaven is this place where there is nothing there that would frustrate or agitate your soul. Because God's will is always done. And so even in our own hearts, when we see hurt and pain, we begin to pray for those things. Or we begin to pray uh, for relief from those things. But oftentimes, even in praying for those things, we're not seeing results happen as fast as we want them to happen. I'll give you, for instance, in my own life. Now, I know without a shadow of a doubt, um, as a pastor, that it's God's will for the whole city to come to Christ. I mean, God wants revival. He doesn't want any to perish uh, without knowing his name, like the city of Jackson to be one for the Lord. So I know that. And then not only that, on multiple occasions, God has spoken and dealt with me through prophetic prayer, through his voice speaking to me in major significant ways that I cannot deny that I was to be the pastor of this church. I know God's will. 
going back all the way to, you, you heard my story about the, the prophetess who came in and like 13 points the fork at me and she's like, I see you. And I'm like, I repent of everything, God. And she's like, I see you. And, you know, she saw me pastoring a church on the other side of the airport, um, you know, from where we were on Highway 18 on the other side of town by the airport. And as soon as my father passed away, I, I had that word come back to my heart. So I know God's will. And when I first started pastoring, uh, I'm there. I'm praying God's will. I know I'm called to pastor this church. You told me it had double the anointing of my father. You told me weeping would endure for a night, but joy would come in the morning. I know your will is for this city to come to know you. I know your will is for your churches to grow. I know your will is for this thing to prosper. And so I'm praying all the time. And in fact, tonight I was thinking, you know, while we were worshiping, that I could remember at that time we were doing Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night church. And I pastored single for a little while. And I can remember on Wednesday nights driving home from church and just crying. I mean, just crying. Because I felt like a failure, and honestly, I felt all alone. And I I would be sitting there just crying out to God to to change something uh, and to to see progress. And it's like, I know you want this. This was not even my idea. And and I know you want this. So, like, God, send people or make them come back. (laughs) Like, do any. Like, I'm praying all these things. Like, bless the church. Grow the church. I know this is your will. I know I've heard from you. And not only is it not happening, it's getting worse. And there is an offense growing in my heart because I'm like, God, like, I know you want this for me. But I'm not seeing this in my life. And so for, for literally a year and a half, this is playing out in my life. And I, I'm at this place where I genuinely am surrendered to prayer. I am literally praying without ceasing. And you know the story of, or many of you do, I got rid of literally everything. No internet, no TV, no video, nothing. All I did was pray and seek the Lord. And I'm praying and I'm praying and I'm praying and I'm praying and I'm praying. And I'm praying. All of it with God's will. Like, I know what I am doing. I am in God's will. I'm like judging. Is there any secret sin in my life? Like, you know, all of these types of things. I'm taking this all through this filter. And I'm, I'm, I'm seeing it like the woman with the issue of blood. Not only is it not getting better, it's getting worse. And I can't chalk it up to I'm not praying or believing that I receive or standing on God's word. I've got all the prophecies and I'm warring a good warfare. I've got all my verses, and I'm praying God's word concerning me. I'm opening up the book of Acts, and it's like, so mightily grew the word and prevailed that it took over the whole city. And Father, I thank you. So mightily the word is growing and prevailing, but I'm not seeing it happen in my life in spite of me knowing it's God's will. And I'm looking at this, and I'm like, it ain't on, on earth as it is in heaven, and it's not because I'm not praying. I'm going to help you tonight. And I I finally saw something because the Bible is big and Jesus is big on prayer without ceasing. Multiple times when Jesus is teaching on prayer, he talks about praying and not giving up. And my question is, is like, why? God is God and God can do with permission and people who are praying whatever he wants, whenever he wants to do it. Uh, He's God and he can be God all by himself as the song sings.
And I know that there are forces that we wrestle against, and there are things like in Daniel that tries to stop it, and spiritual things and high places that we have to pull down, and all of these other types of things. But there is something there in my own life that I saw that needed to be confronted. On earth as it is in heaven. When we're praying, oftentimes, what we're praying is we're praying for our own desires done our own way. And we're not praying for God's will to be done. For instance, in my prayers in this time, if God would have answered them, the church would have grown supernaturally, Lakeland would have been built, all the money would have came in fast, speedily, and without any modifications on my end. And it would have been miraculous and would have been wonderful and would have been great. But here's the thing, um, in, on earth as it is in heaven, in heaven, life is not the only thing that's perfected. In heaven, it's not just this place without any quarrel or strife or poverty. Heaven is not just a place where everything about your life is perfected. Heaven is also a place where you are. And oftentimes when we're praying, we're praying about all of this stuff out here that needs to be perfected. God, they need to be nicer. They need to be sweeter. This needs to change. Your boy needs to make more money. <laughs> all of these things, like your community needs to be one. Signs, wonders, and miracle, Jesus. Pour out your spirit. Pour your spirit out. Like all, even mo- most of the songs we sing is like, God, move out here. Perfect this. Make this better. Make this easier. Make this more wonderful. And what we want is make all of this the way it needs to be without touching any of this. But on earth as it is in heaven, is in heaven, it's not just life that is perfected, it is you have been. And God is on this process, and his most wonderful work is not what he does for you. The most wonderful work that God does is what he does in you. And finally, through that process, and you know my story... In praying for all of this stuff out here, literally without ceasing, I finally came to a place of brokenness where I made out a list of people that I could give the church to. And I'm on my bathroom floor, and I'm crying. And I'm like, God, if you don't work out here, I'm going to have to turn this over to somebody else because I am not letting everything my parents built in 20 years be torn apart by me. And the next day, I woke up, and God began to show me what I really needed to be praying for. I reached that moment of brokenness. And you know what it was? It wasn't any of this stuff out here. It was all of this stuff in here. He's like, you know what you need to be praying about? You got unforgiveness in you. And he began to show me areas of my life that have been harboring unforgiveness to certain individuals, and you've heard my story in my family. 
and how I needed to go to them and repent and go to them and ask for their forgiveness and be a peacemaker. And then God began to show me in in 2 Chronicles uh, chapter 26, King Uzziah, God began to show me how Uzziah wanted the Lord and how in me, I didn't want the Lord. I wanted success. I wanted not to fail. That's what I genuinely wanted. I didn't want to, I didn't want to fail. And so my prayer life was so centered around me not failing And it was not like this deep devotion to the Lord. And the Lord began to show me my pride. That that I, I wanted people to look at me and see me be good at what I did. And the Lord showed me I had to deal with that. The Lord showed me my selfishness. The Lord showed me my competition. The Lord began to show me my jealousy. And the Lord began to reveal these things in my heart that he wanted to root out of my life. And I went on this journey of confronting each one of those things. And I realized that, like, if God would have answered each and every one of my prayers with me praying for all of this stuff out here, when I wanted him to, how I wanted it to, none of those things in my life would have been confronted. Because the reality is, what I'm currently experiencing in life out here is exceedingly abundantly above anything I have asked for. That's the truth. The building that I was asking for God to build, it was built and paid off. Then out of that came multiple campuses all the way back here to another night service. And oftentimes I watch life and I see these things happen and I just weep over the goodness of God in my own life. The, The answers to prayer all around me in these things. But it's because before God changed anything out here and answering the requests that I was petitioning him that were all his will. He made me come to a place of submission to his will in my own heart. And I look and I see the passages of scripture where you see David struggling in a cave. And Jesus in a wilderness. Our Jesus in Gethsemane, where he's laying down his will and saying, not my will, but your will be done in my life. That I I see Daniel like refusing to bow. And all of these moments of the inward conviction of the heart to live by the values placed in you through God's word and by God's spirit. And to focus your life on praying on the inward work and what the inward work is for you instead of the outward work that you want God to see do for you. And to begin to allow the Spirit to judge those things in your own heart. As it is in heaven, so it be on earth. Uh, at the um, Highland Colony service this morning, Pastor Chase was doing the offering segment. And he mentioned 1 John chapter 3. 
And he was talking, I'm like, I'm not familiar with that verse read like the way he read it. So I'm like, I'm going to go over to first chapter three, first John chapter three and just read it. Um, and so I didn't quite find that, that verse. I was trying to locate it, but I just, you know, was reading first John chapter three and this verse stood out to me uh, and it's just verse number one. See how great a love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called the children of God. And such we are. For this reason, the world does not know us because it did not know him. Beloved, now we are the children of God. And it has not appeared as yet what we will be. We know that when he appears, talking about Jesus, we will be like him because we will see him just as he is. Watch this, verse 3. And everyone who has this hope fixed on him purifies himself. Even as Jesus is pure. And he's saying one day you'll be in heaven and you'll, you'll see the master. And we will see our king. And out of that, just as a a bride would prepare herself for that moment on a wedding day to see her groom and to unveil the face, that we are purifying ourselves for that moment. And it's not bringing in all of the works that we have accomplished on this earth. It is what we have yielded to his spirit in our own selves. And out of this hope of seeing him, we begin to purify ourselves. I said this last week, and this was actually when I began starting to realize, like, dead gummit, I missed it. Forgive me, Father. Because the anointing was on this story when I talked about my, my daughter of going up to her room that night and just seeing the spirit of the Lord on her. Just the spirit of consecration and how precious it is. Sometimes I just, I feel like as a a church we have to just purify and maybe even repent a little because so much of it is what we want the Lord to give us. But when the spirit of consecration is on you, it's all you want to give him. And to watch that come on a teenager and have it burn up the chaff 
where the, the world just begins to mean nothing. And without a parent being like, you don't need to be on social media or any of those types of legalism, just the spirit of the Lord coming and saying, I want that burned off my life. Why? No other reason than I love him. No other reason. But I love him. And it's in that place where I'm telling you, Hebrews 12, you know why we're not running our race? It ain't because we don't have a race to run. And it's not because God hasn't set it before us. And it's not his will. It's all these weights and sins that keep tripping us up, that stop us from running the race that is set before us. Because those things have not been burned off our life with the spirit of consecration. And we're praying for the set race. And we're praying for God to help us to run. And we're receiving the words of, we're not crawling anymore. We're not walking anymore. We're running our race. With the still, still same junk that has kept us from running our race for decades. And God is bringing his people into a place of consecration. Somebody sent me, you know, with the Asbury Revival, which I still, I still, still to this day, anytime the Spirit of the Lord is present, find out what he's there for. God met us at the prayer conference. Like there was something in the air there. And I know I could have kept that thing going and should have kept it going. And I often wonder what would have happened. But anyway, God came in Asbury. It's so neat. It was like everything that I've always wanted to see of like no celebrity. We're not allowing like, you know, the big time preachers and all of these types of things to jump on the screens and, and, and do all these types of things. It was just a movement of young people who were hungry for Jesus and, and bringing them into this place of like putting them on the stage and putting them in the platform. And, and you know, all it was beautiful to watch. But they had a room before the, the worship team and the, whoever was preaching had to go into. Um, they had a room that you had to get in before you would step on the stage. And it was called the consecration room. Just a room that you would get in and consecrate yourself before the Lord Jesus. wonder if that's me. Nope. <laughs> Something on stage. But they had a room of consecration. That before you stepped on the stage, you had to consecrate. And you, you had to ask this question, Father, is there anything in me that would stop your glory from flowing through me? And every musician... And every singer and every speaker would confront this before they confronted this.
And it's not out of this fear of legalism. It's just when the spirit of consecration comes. You want to. You just want to. And so prayer becomes, Lord, confront my pride. Everything in me that wants to be seen and noticed and liked, confront it. Everything in me that wants to be applauded and loved. Lord, confront my jealousy. Everything in me that wants to be the one that it's done through. Confront my unforgiveness. Confront my mouth. Don't let me talk about people that way. That's been a big one for me recently. I just... It grieves me when I hear people talked about. It just grieves me. I'm trying to change the subject as much as possible when it happens. But it's these inward things that when they're surrendered and dealt with, it, it allows the race to be run. But as long as they're unconfronted, it's like Samson trying to bring the Philistines down without wanting his head to be out of Delilah's lap. And buddy, it ain't going to happen. Not by God. Because as much as he wants those Philistines free, he wants you free too. And so I just, I I want you to come and any time you see something in the earth that is not being done in heaven, I want you to confront it in prayer. And if you're not seeing results that you want to see when you want to see them, I want you to turn that gaze inward and say, Father, is there anything in me that I need to take up my cross in and die daily? Is there anything in me that goes contrary to your will being done in me? Would this be in me in heaven? And this is one of the major parts of that prayer is lead me not into temptation and deliver me from evil. It's a, it's a look inward of what needs to be altered and changed. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. So let's close in prayer today. I'll invite the, the worship team to come back up. Father, we come before you tonight. And we thank you. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
And Father, we thank you. By the power of your spirit. And by the greatness of your name. And we offer up our bodies as a living sacrifice. That our lives would be holy. That our eyes would be holy. That our ears would be holy. That our marriages and our families and our homes would be holy. That our words would be holy. That our conversations would be holy. Which is our reasonable service. And so, Father, we thank you. That you burn like a fire. burn like a fire everything that's not of you everything that needs to be surrendered everything that needs to be changed everything that needs to be altered burn like a fire in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus Before we worship, if you want to, you don't have to. But if you want to, just pray this prayer with me. Just say, Dear Heavenly Father, would you allow your spirit to show me anything I need to offer on the altar? Holy Spirit, show me anything I need to offer on the altar. In Jesus' name, let's worship.